in a world where options are limitless, but time is not. Two heroes take a stand against injustice and overwhelming viewing choices. Starring Jane Ellen. I don't see how the human race survived the medieval period. And Adam Cravens. A lot of them didn't. This is Binge or Cringe. A podcast that lets you know what's worth watching and what's not. From the Hinson Oakley Podcast Center and Rock 93.7. Hello and welcome to Binge or Cringe. I'm Jane Ellen. And I'm Adam Cravens. I have no doubt. I know that a year ago on Parental Guidance Suggested, our other podcast, you saw the Matthew McConaughey Anne Hathaway film, not Firefly, Serenity. No, I didn't. Oh, you we, didn't. We commented on it because we oh. were we were like, why did they recast Nathan Fillion with okay. Matthew McConaughey? I That's knew we weird. had a conversation. We did it. because we were mad that like Serenity wasn't just them doing a sequel to to Firefly, like. That was what that was what upset us about it. Just being like, don't oh, use that name. There's more to be upset about. So many times when I am at home, I just want to have something on. I say it's for the show, but it's really because I need to be constantly entertained. So I was going through clothes and I was kind of partly watching this movie. And I believe it's on Amazon Prime. Maybe it's on Netflix. I don't know. I just know it wasn't on Hulu. But I'm going to go with Amazon Prime. And I went, oh, okay. Matthew. Why, why do you know conclusively it was not on Hulu? Because I know that I have not watched stuff on Hulu of late. Okay. Hashtag I was just, I don't know. I was like, why, why is she so certain of that I just know streaming I was, service? I know I wasn't, it wasn't on Hulu. Right, right. So, have you seen this film? No, okay. I have not. I've you're, seen, you're about to. I have seen the poster. I do Everything know, you know about that poster is wrong. I do know that the two of them were not pleased with the film, and I, I know that it did not do um, serious box office. So, what I think I'm going to be watching is a, um, oh, what's the one with, you know, the guy and the... There's lots of movies with guys. I thought I thought that it was going to be dolls. I thought it was going to be double indemnity, but a the, the Tommy Lee Jones movie with where like uh I'm thinking of Fred McMurray. Oh no no I'm thinking of Double Jeopardy. I'm Fred, sorry, Fred McMurray. Yes yes I know and what Barbara you're Stanwyck. Yes I I know what you're talking about now. And you know what's his face? Where are your Messiah now? That guy. Good old my three sons. Gotcha yeah. gotcha. I'm in anyway, uh, which by the way is a superb film. And I thought this was like an updated beachy film noir, which doesn't really work, but that's what I thought. So here is what I know of the movie. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is the ex-husband of Anne Hathaway, who is now blonde. She's a lovely woman, but blonde is just not working for her. It's just... Well, I mean, most most people's features, like, you know, if you have a particular, like, hair color, like, okay, okay. My, my skin color and, like, the rest of my facial features don't really support me having, like, dark black hair. I was going to say it would be I, unusual. Yeah. So, I mean, like, whenever you do, like, a complete, like, change of your natural hair color, more often than not, like, the rest of your body, it's, it's like that uncanny valley when you watch, like, realistic CGI, mm-hmm. but their eyes are dead. Ooh, yeah. It's like that, but not so, creepy. As, as the movie creepy. wore on. I thought, 
did she request this odd shade of blonde so perhaps people might not recognize her? After she after she had signed film. on to it and then yes. read it, she's like, oh, dear. Yeah. Can we give me uh, reconstructive facial surgery so that I will be unrecognizable? So, uh, spoilers ahead, I will go through the entire film, and I want you to see it just so you can yell at it and be annoyed about how horrible it is. Are you that's, ready? It, I feel like that's what we're supposed to protect people against, is it not? Okay. Like, is that, is that not our, our mission statement? I guess. So, what I think I'm going to be watching with some sort of twist is, you got the ex-husband, you got the wife, she finds him because he's changed his name I don't know why. And uh, they've been divorced for many years. They have a son together who is now like 15-ish and – or no, 13. He's 13, yes. Well, that's that's 15-ish. He is 13. And she wants ex-husband to kill current husband because he is a horrible person. And he is – she wants we'll her, get to that. She wants her ex-husband to, to kill, kill the her current, current husband. Because he is abusive and a foul and disgusting excuse for a human being. Now, why did she split up with this other husband? I don't know. So She just she knows how to pick them? Yeah. She likes winners? Okay. So yeah. this goes along, and you have Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey's bare bottom, Matthew McConaughey drinking, Matthew McConaughey's bottom again. Diane Lane, Diane Lane's So, so you've got the, the Matthew McConaughey straight flush. Yes. Like, okay. Yes. And then about 20 minutes into it, uh, by the way, Matthew McConaughey is now a fisher, not a fisher of men, but he is a fisherman, and people hire his boat to go deep sea fishing. However, much like in Moby Dick, he knows about this one fish, because it's the one. And what, what is the name of that fish? Moby Dick? Its name is Justice. I I really was going to expect it to be called Serenity. Um, No. Okay. In the meantime, let's not forget the dalliances with Diane Lane and the point of view from Diane Lane's character with everything else. Wait. Oh, you can forget it because there's no point to it at all. Matthew McConaughey and Diane Lane? Yes, but then she can see him going out to his boat and having conversations with Anne Hathaway, and that apparently means nothing. Isn't there like a 20, 30-year difference between Matthew McConaughey and Diane Lane? He looks older than her, actually. In this film, she looked amazing. Well, she has aged well. I think Matthew McConaughey looks like he's laid out on the beach for at least 37 years straight. Easily. Yeah. And I'm not really opposed to that. But as the story unravels, the child that he and Anne Hathaway's characters had, who is now 13, he is not happy because stepdad is a horrible person, obviously. And you it's the camera on the kid, but the yelling and the please don't. Is, the, the, is stepdad played by anybody of Yes, you would recognize him. And I'm going to have to tell you because he, he is well chosen. It's like, oh, yeah, he looks like he would be a real jerk, doesn't he? You know, that's kind of a good thing. Um, well, I mean, not, not not if, you know, you're the agent of that actor. They'll just, I mean, unless they're like, I need a, I need a filthy scumbag child beater. Uh, mm-hmm. Get me so-and-so on the phone. He, that's, our, that's your go-to guy. 
Chris Evans has got a square jaw and blonde hair. You want a hero, he's your man. But you want a, a scumbag? You want to drown in a... In a yes. Yeah. That would be Jason Clark. And Jason Clark, you know from the TV Chicago show Code. Brotherhood. Chicago yeah. Code. And he is a very tall man. He was in the most recent uh, Pet Cemetery. Zero Dark Thirty. Yep. He is usually what? The antagonist. And he's probably a heck of a great, nice guy. But anyway, that's beside the point. So he plays this horrible guy that every, as soon as you see the character, you want him dead too. So you've got that going on. In the meantime, about 20 minutes in, you have these, and I'm going, wait a minute, wait, is this a supernatural type of film? Because there is uh, like a puddle of water in the bar uh, next to Matthew McConaughey's hand, and he puts his hand in it. And then you see the kid has a puddle of water next to him, and he puts his hand in it. And there's like a moment, like they can sense each other. And then uh, Matthew McConaughey will be in the water, and he'll hear, Dad? And he'll go, Son, is that you? But not like that. Son, is that you? Be all right, all right, all, all right, right, son. So there's that happening. I'm thinking, well, where is this whole thing going? Let me just jump to the very end to save you all the annoying parts and make it even more Inception-y, okay? All right. It turns out that Matthew McConaughey's character, spoiler, has been dead for 10 years. He's a war hero, okay? But his soul and or consciousness is conscious and is in a game that his son created, And he is sentient of his son having made this game, but no one else, Diane Lane's character, superfluous, no one else realizes there are characters in a game. I did not see that. Except Matthew McConaughey's character comes to realize that. Because much like um, the guy that drives the Jeep in um, The Rock and that one, and he's the character, he just, he won't change his lines. Um... Welcome to the jungle. Jumanji. The guy who shows up in the gym says, oh, welcome to Jumanji. That guy? I don't, I've only <laughs> seen it. The kids have seen it about a thousand okay. times. Well, there is a character, and it's something in gameplay, but his purpose is to provide exposition and say, hello, welcome to Jumanji, and you do this. So no matter what you say to him, he's going to say the same thing. Gotcha. So the other people on so the it's, island. So it's not like a board game. It, this is like a It's an interactive g- game. Like a, yes. like a CD-ROM based yeah, sure. kind of. Well, they show the kid and they showed like the Matrix over him, I assumed. And so you see the kid and the Matrix. I, and... I like that 20 years later, that's still our, <laughs> still our go-to. It's my go-to. So... I, mean, I, can't, I can't go a day without talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark, <laughs> so whatever. So the game, oh, oh, a nerdy guy shows up who has something to say to Matthew McConaughey's character and uh, seems unusual because he is, because he knows the rules of the game. And that's what Matthew McConaughey's character realizes he's in a game. But then says, well, sometimes I think I I can see myself laying dead in the sand. And you're going, "Uh, uh uh-huh. Anyway, uh, so the game, the favorite game of the kid is Let's Go Fishing. Because that's what he remembers of his dad. Let's go fishing and catch Justice the fish. But the game changes because he needs dad to kill the stepfather, who is a horrible, abusive person. So 
while he convinces in the game dad to kill the stepfather who is in the game, the kid goes and kills him with his dad's fishing knife at the same time. And then he's like in the jail and you can hear the news saying, and he'll be returned to his mom because it was self-defense. And the kid's just there. And then he's in his own head with Matthew McConaughey going, son, you did the right thing. Everything's going to be all right, all right, all right. And then the kid says, I'm going to change the game, dad. We can go anywhere we want to go. And so they go somewhere in his head. The end. Just just listening to you describe the plot of this movie is making me physically uncomfortable. Like, I, I want to lay down. I feel like I'm sick. Like, just, I, I mean, I like a, a good, like, offbeat or, like, original concept. But, like, this is, like, the, the worst possible version of that. So let's say... I accept the premise that all this is happening in the child's game that he has created. If you have created a game so you can interact with your dead father and you have created all these characters, you also created a girlfriend that his dad can, you know, do girlfriend stuff with. That's weird, even for a 13-year-old kid. It's like, why does she even exist? I get that he's going fishing and he needs to have someone help him with the boat. That character makes sense and the guy in the bar makes sense. But Diane Lane is in two scenes and then they talk about her cat who keeps hanging out at the other guy's house. That's it. I, you know what happens whenever you make a wish with a monkey paw, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. This film feels like a monkey paw made yeah. made that movie it it feels like it was like it's technically doing what you're telling it to do as a film but it's it's cursed and it ends up awful and terrible and you're sorry that you yes. you made the wish on the monkey paw cuz you can see at the end after he talks to his kid on a payphone it all, the, the buildings just, they all melt and then they're rebuilt and then it's somewhere else and then his kid is there and he hugs the kid and it's like he knows that he's in a game. So what's that? He's not, I'm a kid that I made a character, this character was my dad. This is a sentient something that knows it's in a game. It feels like somebody watched Inception and goes, all of the stuff that's good about this, what if we take that out and make it, what if we make it suck? And they're like, wait, why, why would you, why would you do that? Like, why just, just watch Inception. And they'll be like, no, 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 hear me out. And they've already walked out of the room. They're like, fine, I don't need you. I mean, I get, I would have signed on for this movie too. Clearly, we are on some tropical aisle. Maybe you're on the Keys. I would totally go and hang out in the Keys for three to six months and get paid for it. I mean- Ocean's 12 is not a great movie, but I understand why why they wanted to vacation there. Like yeah. but it at least I can watch watch Ocean's 12 and just be like, well, I don't have to do that again, but like I'm no worse for it. No. I feel like after watching Serenity, I would just be like, I've I've lost something I can never have returned I to was me. so angry. First of all, I kept coming out of the closet and looking at it, like raising my hands. Like, what? 
And then I would have to like go and tell one of my children, can you believe this movie? Well, let me tell you about it. And then I'd have to tell them about it. So they would get annoyed. Like it, it feels like advertising that Robert De Niro and Al Pacino will be teaming again. But it's a movie about like sock puppets. And you're just like, <laughs> why did you? I mean, obviously, yes. Team Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, two of the greatest actors of their era, like just literal powerhouses. Why? Why is the subject matter you decided to do? Sock puppets. I don't. Exactly. That I don't understand. Yeah. Like, I feel like they, they didn't have anybody asking those questions. Like, just being like, okay, right. Well, uh, Anne Hathaway and uh, Matthew McConaughey, they're both and, they're reasonably large stars. And Diane Lane also carries some gravitas oh, with her. And, and, What's wait, the plot another again? Guy. It's, oh, he's an African-American actor. Well, maybe he's not American. I don't know. Uh, he's... D M J O U N is his first name. Uh, that guy, the the one who was uh, the main character in uh, Amistad. Yes, yeah, he was in it. I don't want to butcher the the pronunciation yes. of his name, but, but that's... I know I recognize all these fine actors, and it's like, wow, he was it... in Guardians of the Galaxy. I yeah, think yeah, he was yeah. in. He was mm-hmm. in Captain Marvel. He's in it. Did they all lose bets? Like again. I mean... I would take the money to go stay wherever they stayed. It's like, okay, sure, I'll go do this. But, oh, now I'm reading it. This kind of sucks. Like, the, this, in the same way that, like, Shia LaBeouf is in Please. Indiana Jones Please. 4, I, I can only assume that, like, Steven Spielberg, like, murdered somebody, and for some reason, even Stevens saw him do it. Mm-hmm. And the only way that he wasn't going to turn him in was if he let him be Indiana Jones' son. Yep, pretty much. Like that—that's how—that's how it feels like they got these people into that movie. They'll just be like, "This is garbage," and they'll be like, "Right." Well, do you want this secret to get out? And they'll be like, "Oh." Well, I couldn't. Chris Klein have been Indiana Jones's son. He, it, literally, any Anyone, casting yeah. decision that you make, Kathy Bates would have made <laughs> a better son for Indiana Jones. Like it, literally, any just sit there. Come up with a name in your head. That's a better casting decision as Henry Jones the third. Yeah, the I can't tell you how much it upsets. Like if you could somehow digit like George Lucas loves to go back and tinker with his movies. Go back into Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and digitally remove Shia LaBeouf. I don't care what you put. Boots the monkey in his place, and it's a better film. <laughs> For it, add add Jar Jar Binks as Indiana Jones' son. That's funny. <laughs> I, just oh, now I'm sick. You, yeah, you told the movies made me sick, and now I'm thinking about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I know, which made us. I'm, I'm gonna throw up. Just, oh. Anyway, um, Serenity with Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. Watch it if you would like to be annoyed and agitated at the same time. I, I don't want those okay. emotions. Then do not watch no. it. You're listening to Binge or Cringe, brought to you by Hinson Oakley Family Dentistry. We're in the podcast center. Jane Ellen talking with Adam Cravens about what is worth watching and what is not. Now, speaking of good serenity, yes. did you hear what Nathan Fillion has just been cast in? No. The, the, the Suicide Squad that James Gunn is doing. Like, uh. I'll tell you, for a movie that, like, after leaving, like, I just... I, I, I was just like, well, that that's done. Um, the the follow up to Suicide Squad sounds had, great. They they have the director and writer 
of Guardians of the Galaxy. Like he has put together like this cat and apparently just added Nathan Fillion to it. I'm going to look at this as Star Trek 2 because the first one mm. just didn't count. It shouldn't count. Nobody ever watches Star Trek, the motion picture. Exactly. Uh, but I do like saying V'ger because I can. Anyway, uh, but Wrath of Khan, it was amazing. Perhaps one of the finest. Yeah, I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Well, one of the, definitely one of the greatest sequels oh, of, ever of made, course. if not just film in general. So maybe this is going to be a Suicide Squad version Wrath of Khan. Well, I'm like, seriously, James Gunn writing and directing with Nathan Fillion starring, literally, any plot that follows that sentence, yeah, it like, doesn't matter. I'm it there. doesn't matter. Like I just, I heard that, and I was like, because even when they put him on it, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't need that sequel. Like, and I just kept fighting. Even at, they added Idris Elba, and I was like, I still don't need it. Yeah. I, but I apparently that that that's the linchpin. It is. I was just like, I I can't not. Nathan Fillion is he's the Pied Piper, and I am a. I'm a child or a rat. Like, I just, I must follow him. I know. I must. I know. He's dazzling. However, that movie's not yet. Let's talk about something worth binging. So Netflix, again, kept saying, hey, Jane, you need to watch this. And it's like, no, I don't even know what that is. What? Season two? I didn't watch season one. Why are you telling me season two is on? So after much debate between me and the other me and voices in my head, it's like, okay, fine. Fine. That's a podcast I'd listen to. <laughs> I'll watch Mind Hunter. Had no idea what it was. Didn't know if it was like one of those serial killer documentaries where it's an actual thing or is this a movie with actors? It's the one that uh, David Fincher produces it, I believe. Well, I guess. Anyway, so I watched the first one and I went, eh. And then I realized, oh, I tried to watch this several months ago and was immediately bored. But there's a season two out. So I said, you know what? I'm going to watch the second episode. And now I'm binging straight through. So you just, you, you caught a bad like, well, stretch? Just, and... I, the pilot just, I, I didn't mean, think be, it was that good. To be fair, the pilot does need to sell you on like the concept or like the the, the central thrust. If your pilot doesn't work, like... It doesn't matter how good your next 14 episodes mm -hmm. are. If I tune out after after that, like it, you know. The the premise, in well, actually what was funny to me is I, I realized I tried watching it before and stopped at some point. The first words I see, Fredericksburg, Virginia, where I went to college. And I went, huh? This. And then, oh, Fredericksburg, Quantico, because Quantico is like 20 minutes away from Fred. So, yeah, FBI training. So then I went, oh, I get it. And that's totally not Fredericksburg. Whatever. So, I do I do like it when they'll show things and say, mm -hmm. like, you know, this is that location. And no, you're not. You're well versed in it enough to go. No, I, I'm betting that's actually like. I don't know, Ontario or something? Are, are you shooting this yeah. in British Columbia? Like, I, there's no way that's where you're saying that it is. Yes. Like, there's a scene in uh, Superman 4 where they're supposed to be, like, walking around New York, and I'm like, I've never even been to New York, but the location that you're making him walk at now, that's that's not New York. And I was, like, seven when that <laughs> movie came out, and I knew, like, I, I accepted a man could fly and, like, shoot lasers from his eyes, but I was like, 
It's not New York. No. Like I, that doesn't even kind of look like New York. Not even. So first of all, the music is where you know what time period it is. Oh, and then the cars and stuff. But the music, nice touch there. For instance, um, Psycho Killer is tossed in, you know, a little talking heads. Of course, it's not music at the end of each episode where everything's in slow motion and you see all the characters doing stuff. It's not a Dawson's Creek thing. It's just... It usually ends with someone says something, and then you have a particular song that goes with it, and then credits out. Anyway, here's the deal. Uh, Mindhunter is based on a book called, I think it's called Mindhunter. And it was written, yeah. That sounds plausible. Yeah. I already forgot the name of the guy. But the what you're seeing on this series is not like a play-by-play of this man's life, but it's like, inspired by and what happened was something you know but you probably didn't think about is in the 70s uh i don't remember a lot of the 70s well let's just throw so you had you had manson you had son of sam you all of a sudden serial killers i can't name any serial killers from the 40s i'm not saying there weren't any I'm saying I can't name them. Well, if they were, they were talking about them like this. <laughs> yes, they were. Would you, yeah. Yeah, do you want to see it on the Nickelodeon here? Here's a man murdering another man. Yeah, watch this. For only a nickel, you can watch him die. So, it starts out with uh, this guy who's, I don't know, let's say 28-ish. And he is a hostage nego- negotiator. And he teaches a class at the FBI about hostage negotiation and shows scenes from Attica a lot. So, (laughs) for real. (laughs) And to be a success, no body bags. However, he also wants to understand, in explaining to the students, he says, you don't want to, like, show up with a bunch of guns in this situation because you're now making this person who has hostages feel threatened. You're antagonizing them. So you need to understand a little bit about where they're coming from and try to Find a common ground because you don't want any hostages killed, yada, yada, yada. So uh, it develops into this guy keeps wanting to know why and whatnot and finds there are a few other like-minded people. And what they set out doing is trying to put up uh, a roadmap for them to teach others how to spot what they are now calling a sequence killer and... Somebody that, like, throws sequence yes. in yes, someone's sequence. face. And- Which we all know will become serial killer. And seeing what do these people have in common and can we put enough things in common where maybe we can stop them before it happens. Or So what they do and what the man who wrote this book actually did do, he realized, uh, these guys are all rotten away in prison. I'm going to just go talk to them. And that's what happened. He talked to Manson. He talked to uh, Son of Sam. He talked to many serial killers. So in this show, you have the real life thing. Well, it's not real life. But you have someone acting as someone who actually did these horrible crimes. And then you have this team of guys talking to them and so on and so, so forth. Very similar to like what happened in the uh Silence of the Lambs. Yes. Like when Clarice is kind of drilling mm-hmm. Lecter and just being like, okay, well, what are they thinking here? And what in this case is interesting is you have this new way of thinking and trying to tell this to other police officers who are like, you know, we don't have any sympathy for Manson and, and the officers are on the scene. They're 
you know, PTSD, but they didn't say that because it's the 70s. But they said, we we don't want to help him. And what the the young guy, Holden, is saying, maybe if we understood what happened to him, he's not a victim. He is a monster. But if we understand how this happened... We can prevent. And we can find who did these other crimes. So as as they're traveling around teaching police officers some of these tactics, they happen to be asked to solve crimes. Now, those local crimes, I don't know if any of those were real things they're based on, but it would be something weird that would happen, and they would come in and help the local cops who are confused that someone would... I don't know, chop somebody off and kill all their dogs and things like that. So it's interesting. Chris would like it. It's interesting in that way. And we do know that that's how those things developed because, in again, in the 40s, you weren't thinking of, well, uh, what – what was Babyface Nelson really after? And no, you're did probably, he get along with his mom? You were probably like, man, I hope the Great Depression does not come back. Um, that was terrible. Also, yes. uh, smallpox and polio. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, not a good thing. Oh, man, we boil everything here. <laughs> just, man, I'm just, I'm not cool with the future. So it is compelling to watch. The first episode to me was ponderous, and I kept thinking, this could be good. Did you ever watch um, Hannibal, the show? I saw like a half an hour of it or or some pivotal scene, and I went, oh, I think I would have enjoyed that, and then forgot it ever existed. The, I, I've, I've, I owned it. Like, I found it dirt cheap digitally. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't got to go through the whole thing, but like, it, it sounds a lot like that uh, to me. And, like, honestly, like, Hannibal, the more that I have seen of it, like, whenever I do, like, get a moment to kind of break that open. Again, I'm coming to that table really late because the show's been canceled for, I don't know, three or four years at this point. But, like, it was a really good concept. And the guy they had playing Hannibal, like. Yes, I saw enough to see that he was amazing. Well, and, and I mean, and you're filling shoes that were very legendarily filled. By noise. Anthony Hopkins. Like, I mean, or if you're even talking about, um, oh, what was it? Not not mind. Uh, oh, yeah. The, CSI the one, guy. The original. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the it was based on Red Dragon. I cannot yes, think of the movie. The CSI guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, you even had that like mind. It's, it's not mind hunter. See, I thought mind, it was mind hunter. And that's when something? they said mind hunter. Manhunter. Yes. Manhunter. Yeah. Man it's hunter. like, honestly, like. It's it's a fascinating like just that that concept mm-hmm. talking to a serial killer to understand or like see their motivations and try to mm-hmm. try to prevent it like I, th- there really is a lot of like dramatic tension that you can you can wring from that like ca- I mean case in point we're talking about two shows and like several movies that are all based around like that 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 nucleus of an idea mm-hmm. so this. The the guy who wrote the original book about his his work, not so much his life, but his work, he is the one that was the first person to say, hey, we can do a profile, a serial killer profile, and we can look for these flat red flags and things like that. And uh, it's fascinating. Now, the episode that I'm on right now, I know where I stand on it, but again, this is like 1974, 
and they're they're in town for I don't know what. But a teacher asks them to look into something. It's a really great school, and the principal doesn't really believe in punishment, and they want the school to be a happy place. So that's a mistake. I know. So um, the principal tickles the feet of the students and then gives them a nickel. And asks students to come to his office and take their socks and shoes off so he can tickle their feet. I'm, of course, incredibly repulsed and disgusted. Now, um, I'm just, I'd leave confused. I'll be like, am I in trouble? Like, was that, uh, is that a pun? What, what, what is that? So at the moment, you have the younger FBI guy saying clearly this is a sign of something wrong. However, you also have this older principal, I'm sure it's something wrong, but this older principal who maybe has no agenda right. and is just trying to approach education differently and thinks that your mind's in the gutter that he would do something because he's tickling the feet of children. But again, not three-year-olds, 10, 11, 12-year-olds. And so the FBI guy says, well, what if one of the kids doesn't want to get tickled? What, what happens then? What does that escalate to? So that was simply quite intriguing. And it has not been resolved yet. I'm sure he's a horrible person and he's got heads in the freezer, but whatever. It, it, I feel like from, it's headed that from way. the description of this show, like him being just altruistic feels yes. like it would be um, a waste of my time. I know that if a principal was tickling my children's feet or any child's feet and then giving them a nickel so they would keep coming back, I would... Mm, he would be long gone. I, there, there, it, it raises so many questions. Yes, but in 74, maybe stuff, stuff like that probably did happen that no one really questioned because it wasn't the mindset to question an authority figure like that. Well, or like the, the, the ready way that we do, like information is just like, just, just overflowing mm -hmm. to us at this point like things that happen you know around the world like we have instant like access to that like in a time you know like when in the 1800s where you had to be you know sent something by like quill written mm -hmm. like a letter or something like that or even i mean the the 70s you did have access to information but not in the same way that i can just flip out my phone and just be like um what what are the what's the makeup of uh, water like uh, how many how many atoms of uh, hydrogen like mm -hmm. does, I mean literally whatever you want to know if you can like speak into it like clearly or type it you can probably get the answer to that question now does that make us more intelligent or less intelligent because we don't have to actually learn it if we know how to ask for it um I would I would definitely say it makes people stupider because like. I, I'm less afraid now if I don't know something like back in the day, you had to memorize like your friends phone numbers like mm -hmm. my friends from like elementary school. Oh, yeah. I still have their phone numbers memorized because you're they weren't built into the memory of your phone. Mm -hmm. um, you didn't have a cell phone at best. You had a piece of paper that you could write I couldn't it down. Tell you on. what your phone number is. Um, well, I mean, I can, but, but it's mine. Yeah. Right. But I don't know what yours is either. I just and we I, call each other all the time. I find no idea. I find Jane's face. Like I tap it on the phone and I either say text or call mm -hmm. like that. I have no idea. The I, I know my wife's number and 
Um, I know my childhood house number, but like, I don't know, like any number from the last 15 years, like I probably, I probably don't know. Mm-hmm. And, but like back in the day, I, I just, I had, I had an index of yeah. numbers in my head. It's fascinating. Well, to us, we could talk about old phone numbers and say them for, for hours on end. And maybe one day we will. But anyway, Mindhunter, uh, apparently in season two, they talked to Charles Manson, which the guy actually did do. It is fascinating and disturbing and disgusting. Some Sometimes those are things that go hand in hand. I know. I mean, not always, but like the... The unusual, like, is often fascinating, even if it is. Yeah. Like, I mean, again, like, if somebody gets up and makes a ham sandwich, I understand why they did that. Like, I've gotten up and I was hungry and I'll be like, I'm, where's the peanut butter or Mm -hmm. something like that. But I've never woken up and just be like, I need 20 dead bodies that I've decapitated stuffed underneath the house. Mm -hmm. How do I do Like... I have no thought I have ever had yeah. is even like came near that. But at the same time, when you see a show that kind of dissects that I'm sitting there going, uh, okay, that's a completely foreign mm-hmm. concept to me. What would make you do like it starts making me ask questions yeah. in there. Yeah. And it, it is just fascinating and sick. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, just because something's sick doesn't mean it's not fascinating. Correct. Correct. Uh, so that's what's going on. And the guys who are playing the serial killers are creepy, and the actors themselves are doing a wonderful job because I'm disgusted with them. And so this is when, in a time when they're working out how a sociopath and a psychopath can exist and do this and that. And a woman who comes to work with them who is from academia, she knows how sociopaths and psychopaths can become CEOs. And so her question is, what makes you choose to be your psychopathic self but become a CEO and not murder anybody? And then there are the ones that go the other way and they are psychopaths. It's like, I could have excelled at this. Yes. But instead, um, I want to disembowel like Mm -hmm. this person. So that was, that's intriguing that that is, because yes, I do love reading those things. How do you know a sociopath or a psychopath? And it's like, I've met both. And it is. Um, Once you know the, the, the it's, tells. It's, like, it's yeah. disgusting. However, it does exist. And yes, many of your leaders or leaders of other, other than nations, I would say your leaders of many large businesses to a certain extent, Probably. have to be narcissists or psychopaths or sociopaths because they have to, not all of them, but I'm saying a lot of them will have those kinds of characteristics. The same, the same traits that would draw you to those crimes also would probably make you uh, better at business in some, mm-hmm. I mean, and I or, guess. Or real estate. Even. Yeah. Like, I mean, you just, either way, I guess it drives you. Like in it, you know, hopefully you're you're doing something that isn't, you know, literally harming another human. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, it's it, it's still there. It's ugh. yeah, disgusting. that would that would be a really difficult place to put your head like mm-hmm. every day. Like, just be like, oh, what are you doing today? Um, This guy murdered uh 
20 kids on a school bus. I've got to talk to him and understand how his mind works. Like I don't, I don't want to watch Schindler's list because it, it depresses me. I can only imagine if like, that's my nine to five, Mm -hmm. like, and something I've never understood and never will. If I'm the bad guy, so I, I wake up and I choose, huh, I could go to the movies or I could go kill a bunch of people. Yeah, I, what am I going to do? I could, like, I could make an omelet and then uh, go boogie boarding um, or uh, I, could, I could shoot a bunch of people in the face. Yeah. I don't know how that is ever your choice. Yeah. Ever. Like, I mean, I, I've been like, I don't want to do that. But then like, I'll go take a nap. Like it just... I don't understand why that's yeah. even on your option list. Yeah, and I, I don't really say this to be funny, but take Hitler, please. But, I mean, he planned a lot of stuff. Like, every day he got up and said, this is my plan, and all of it is horrible. Uh, did you ever just say, oh, instead, maybe I'll just raise German shepherds maybe. and not kill millions of people? I should I should take up painting instead. I, that would be... I just... I guess that's why these are fascinating. I don't understand it. I don't even know if I want to understand it, but I realize that it is an aberration. And I guess because it is so foreign to me, like I want, watch it. Wanting to work toward like a down payment on a house. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I don't, But I don't understand just being like, you know what? That entire ethnicity should be wiped off the face of the earth. I don't, I don't, I don't understand that, no, that thinking. It's... It is revolting and horrible. But uh, uh, on the other hand, it's still revolting and horrible. But the show like Mindhunter, it is intellectually interesting. And, of course, really awesome when they catch the bad guys. It's like, yeah, go to jail. So um, it's binge-worthy. It, it's fascinating, ep- and there's some satisfaction see. in seeing yeah. like evil get its comeuppance. Yes, you don't need to see the first episode. I just It was a lot of exposition, but the character I really like because it's almost, I'm not going to say it's a buddy cop, but there's an older married cop, and then there's the younger 20-some guy, and their interplay uh, is satisfying. And anyway. Well, I mean, that that dynamic works. You yes, know, the, the odd couple, lethal weapon, and, and they do rush have hour, a supervisor who's always mad at them. 48 hours. I'm just saying, like, it's a proven formula to right. get, you know, yeah. What I do find funny is, though, every time they have a scene outside of air quotes, Quantico, all you hear is like machine guns. <laughs> is, that, is that what it was like in Virginia, John? Yeah. I mean, you just step outside. I mean, I've never it. been to Virginia, so I don't know that everywhere I go, I don't hear machine guns. Okay. It just struck me odd. I never went on base at Quantico, but I knew plenty of people who had come and gone, and none of them said, you know, when you step outside, all you hear are machine guns. I, like, really, I want to see like a tourist commercial for Virginia and like everybody's having to scream over all the gunfire. <laughs> Welcome to beautiful Virginia. Hold, hold on. I can't, I cannot make out what I'm it's saying. So what weird. is that? It just, yeah, it's somebody's got a semi-automatic rifle right here by, look at those trees though. Yeah. <laughs> look at that. Mowed them right down. Anyway. So mind hunter, uh, not, not for the kids and not, that it is gory. You don't see the killings. You don't see any of that. But, but it's implied. It is very much implied. It is certainly verbalized. And there may be some faraway 
photos of it, but it's not you're in the killer's head and he's going through. It's not one of those things. Um, but yes, it is certainly disturbing imagery, and I would not recommend it for people prone to nightmares or maybe under the age of hmm, 21. Fair it's just really disturbing imagery, and a lot of it is true. And some of that is unsettling to people. Yeah, it is. I don't... Anyway, uh, sounds like a real downer. It is. Um, I'm sure there's something with puppies I could talk about, uh, but really that's all I binged watched, really. I think Oh, in a, on Hulu, uh-huh. I haven't watched all of it yet, but there is a movie with an interesting title and a great actor. I just don't know where it's going, but it's Sam Elliott, so color me there, and it's the man who shot... Hitler and killed, killed Bigfoot. No, a Bigfoot or a Bigfoot or the Bigfoot. I, I've seen the poster for it. Like it, it is intriguing. I mean, I'll uh, it, every everything about that warrants like notice. Mm-hmm. Sam Elliott, man who killed Hitler and a Bigfoot. I'm just like, so I've seen that part. He is, he is, he killed Hitler in this movie. Not, not yeah, Sam Elliott did not kill Hitler. No, and, but the character did. It's like that'd be satisfying if I found out that was real, though. Yeah, like I'd just be like, oh my, did his mustache do it? Like, and you know, you've got you've got Sam Elliott, much like Clint Eastwood. I don't care if you're an old man. You've got three hooligans messing with you and your car, and they think they can get the better of you. <laughs> no, as as much love as Tom Selleck's mustache has garnered. Over the years, I feel like Sam Elliott's mustache is the unsung hero mm-hmm. of mustaches. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, honest to goodness, put it up against any Hulk Hogan's mm-hmm. mustache, any of them. I will take Sam Elliott's mm-hmm. every single day and twice on Sunday. So my spouse thinks that the, the movie is slow as Christmas. It does have a very pacery type of pacery thing. It is slowly paced, but for me, I can just watch and listen to Sam Elliott do virtually anything. I yeah. would like to watch and listen to him have dinner with Nate Fillion, and that's all I want to watch. One, one of the greatest things is just listening to his narration in The Big Lebowski. Like he's yes. just I, – I don't know that I've ever just looked at something Sam Elliott did and just been like, you're, you're terrible. Like even if he's in a bad movie – I don't think I've ever just been like, no, Sam Elliott, no. And he was in Parks and Rec, hilariously so. And justified. Mm -hmm. There's so much to love about him. Binge watch anything you can find with Sam Elliott, you're welcome. Anyway, uh, I'll find something new to watch, I'm sure. I'm going to try to find something not serial killery. I think that's probably good for everyone's mental health, Mm -hmm. um, as well as yours. Yeah. Pretty much. Because uh, it does kind of put you in a dark place. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for listening to Binge or Cringe. I'm Jane Ellen. And I'm Adam Cravens. Binge or Cringe, starring Jane Ellen and Adam Cravens, is a Hinson Oakley Podcast Center production. Listen to new or past podcasts anytime at rock937online.com.